Life isn't fair. As much as we wish that this wasn't the case, the fact is that life is a different experience for everyone. It can be influenced by what you look like, where you came from, or even what your interests are. And a lot of that is outside of our control. For some children, life isn't fair. It isn't good, it isn't fun, it isn't kind. And in truth, those stories don't always end well. My name is Brienne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a young murder victim who was found in a box on the side of the road in 1957 and has never been identified. He is known as both America's Unknown Child and the Boy in the Box. This case is really sad, and the theories are fairly alarming, so don't say I didn't warn you about this one, okay? Today's episode is actually very special. This episode was made possible by a listener named Casey, who was kind enough to reach out and share a long list of amazing case options that you will definitely be hearing about throughout the show. So, huge shout out to Casey for taking the time to reach out, share case ideas, and most importantly, for sharing your reactions to the show because it was the highlight of my week. Even though I missed all of your later messages because they got buried in local crimes, trending Coachella tweets, and people freaking out about dipping fruit in water. All jokes aside, it was really amazing to have someone take the time to connect about the show, and I really appreciate it. So, thank you, Casey. And now we're going to do a huge tone change. In 1957, police were alerted to a terrible discovery. The corpse of a young boy was in an old box on the side of the road. The person who reported it was a college student who, sadly, was trying to commit an act of kindness. He saw the box and, knowing that the area was common for trapping, decided to look to make sure that there wasn't an animal trapped inside it. Instead, he obviously found something much worse. But what was worse than that was that he wasn't the first person to find the young boy. Another person had already discovered him. This person was a muskrat trapper, and muskrat trapping wasn't exactly legal in this area. So rather than risk his traps being taken away, he literally just walked away and didn't report it. I'm often surprised by how many people avoid reporting crimes because they're doing something they shouldn't be. On one hand, it kind of makes sense that they don't want to expose their crimes, even if they're fairly minor, but on the other hand, you'd kind of think morality would weigh out, right? The boy inside of the box was young, believed to be about elementary school age. Estimates place him anywhere from three to seven years old, but they had no real way to confirm this. And really, his age was the least of their concerns. 
One look at the boy would tell police that truly terrible things had happened to him. He was visibly malnourished, filthy, and looked like he had lived a very difficult life. To make matters worse, he had several scars that appear to be surgical in nature. We still don't know if these were caused by a doctor or if whoever hurt him just had surgical precision. It was also clear that the child had been very badly beaten and the damage was still visible. And adding a touch of strangeness, the boy was covered in clumps of hair. It was clear that someone had given him a very unprofessional haircut. When someone's body is found, police have to start by finding out who they are. Generally, these details hold the answers to the case. Police fully believe that if they just found someone to claim him, the answers to the case would reveal themselves. So, they did everything that they could to get his face out, including sending drawings of what they believed he looked like in life if he was healthy. These things were posted everywhere, and they even had them sent over with bills. When this didn't work, they actually shared pictures of his dead body propped up in a chair to give him a more lifelike resemblance. All of this effort, no matter how questionable, ultimately led to nothing. No one knew who this boy was or what horrors he had lived through. There are three prominent theories that exist with this case. The most recent theory was introduced in 2008 when a forensic artist got a hunch. Based on the images and findings, he theorized that the boy might have actually been raised to look like a girl. A theory which he based on the length of the hair that was found on the body. He appeared to believe that this was why no one would have recognized the child. But I think we do have to consider that maybe the kid just had long hair. However, there was just one other detail that certainly gave it some support. He believed that the child's eyebrows had been styled. Given their age, I have to question that. I feel like kids don't really have gender-specific eyebrows, and plucking them would probably be considered weird regardless of gender at that age. But don't quote me on that. The most realistic theory, in my opinion, comes from a confession made by a woman who went by the name of Martha. And this one might make some people a little upset. Martha claimed that the boy was actually living in a home with her and her abusive mother. She said that the boy was taken from another couple, possibly even purchased, and that he was forced to live with them. One day, the boy got sick, and the mother beat him very aggressively until he hit his head and passed out. Martha said that he died a short while later in the bath. And what's disturbing is the police evidence seemed to line up with it. Police found that the boy's body actually contained the exact dinner that made him sick, baked beans, and 
that his fingers were pruned, as if he had been in water. Martha also described how she and her mother disposed of his body. Unfortunately, the theory was ultimately ignored because of Martha's questionable mental health. No one could confirm her story, so it was let go. The other theory is weird and a little disturbing. On previous episodes, we've discussed just how many times psychics get involved with murder cases. In this case, a psychic was called in by someone fairly close to the case, and using their psychic ability, they described a house where they claimed the boy had lived. A similar house, and I'll have to admit... I have to wonder how many different styles of houses existed in the area, was identified. The home belonged to a local foster family, and accusations were made against the man of the house. People speculated that he was trying to hide the existence of the child. They believed that this young boy was birthed by his daughter, and that they were keeping the child hidden from view. When the child died, they disposed of the body rather than calling the police because they didn't want anyone to know that his daughter had a child at all. She wasn't married. Their primary evidence was that the family owned an item that matched the box that the boy was in, though it's unclear how many other people owned the item in the area. This theory was conflicting for me. On one hand, we all know that the foster care system does have some people who should have never been given the right. But a lot of people are foster parents because they really do want to help kids. The police investigation would tell us that there was no connection between the foster family and the boy, but an interesting detail joined the case later. When police investigated the man and his daughter at a later time, like several decades, They learned something very interesting. His daughter was actually his stepdaughter, and by the time they interviewed them again, he had married her. So, I will just leave you all with that. To this day, no one knows who this boy is. They don't know his story. They don't know his name. They just know that someone did something terrible to him. So, if you want to discuss the risks and benefits of the foster care system, the terrible realities of child abuse, or how many cases get solved even when it seems like there's no hope, feel free to contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. Thank you.